Welcome to Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Now, this week here, we were supposed to do a three-way conversation, not a threesome or a three-way, just a three-way conversation with me. You really have to lead with that. You have to phrase it like that. Yes, I have to phrase it like that. Oh, my God. Especially since the the third person is a little bitch because he had ACL surgery to replace his knee. (laughs) Was he a shortstop for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays? Shit. You'd think. (laughs) No, he actually tweaked it playing volleyball. Little bitch. (laughs) Of course, I'm saying this about a guy who's six foot one, you know, but I probably deserve it. Uh, so, yes, Stephen will not be joining us here as we kick off our James Bond January. Yep. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we're going to be discussing, uh, what did you say tonight, Mike? Goldeneye? Uh, Goldeneye. Uh, and then we're also going to record after Goldeneye. We're going to record the second week's episode for Tomorrow Never Dies. And I'm looking forward to that one as well. Most of these. Uh, now, I've got to admit right off the start, I haven't seen these movies in a while. However, that said, I remember them pretty darn well because I had to go back. And as soon as I started looking at the plots, I'm like, oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was going on. So, yeah, it's, it's coming back to me pretty fresh. Uh, but I'll definitely have to bone up on Die Another Day and uh, The World Is Not Enough for the, for the last two. Oh, yeah. You'll have to watch the movies for those ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. So I pretty much know Goldeneye like the back of my hand. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I did watch it before the record and I did watch tomorrow never dies as well. But, uh, uh, golden you know, in, uh, 11 months turns 20 years old this year, November 13th, 1995. Jesus. I feel old. This, is, <laughs> this of course is reminding me that I have my 20th anniversary for, uh, my 20th high school reunion. And I'm just like, fuck. Do I really want to go? I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. So but. let's talk about this film. Uh, what were your thoughts on it, Mike? I I love this movie. I you know, as a kid, I grew up watching License to Kill. Um, I had seen several of the Connery Bonds as a kid. Um, you know, the good ones like Goldfinger oh, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, Dr. No and all that. But um, but Br- when Brosnan came in, finally, after almost 10 years of him not even allowed to have the role because of stupid NBC, NBC executives, um, I, you know, he came in. He was he, – he will always be my Bond. Um you know, don't get me wrong. I love Connery. I love Roger Moore in certain films, but oh, yeah. but I didn't grow up with those guys. Those guys didn't. Those guys didn't. You know, at, you know, because I wasn't around at the time. But you know, 1995. I was 15 years old, and it's one of those things where when I got out of the theater, I wanted to be Brosnan's Bond. You know, I wanted to be that character. You know, he brought that to life for me. Um, And it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, 
in the first year, it was it, in its first theatrical run. Probably it's only a theatrical run. I probably saw it six times within that year that it was in theaters. <laughs> yeah, I, I had I had three times, but that was you know I was good with that because yeah. it was still yeah I mean it was still pretty darn good. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This here movie, I mean, it was. I'm gonna be honest that this was probably because I didn't watch Remington Steel as a kid, so this was pretty much my first exposure to Pierce Brosnan. And I was coming off of, I, I had kind of grown up watching Roger Moore and things like A View to a Kill, Moonraker, Octopussy. I had watched those. And so I kind of liked those. And I thought, okay, this is James Bond to me. And so when I was hearing that Pierce Brosnan was going to do it, my first thoughts were, oh, shit, it's going to be another <laughs> Timothy Dalton version. And <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised. Uh, you know, everything that I saw, the the... You know, the destruction that was coming down from the satellite from GoldenEye, you know, the the fact that they had, they brought in 006, which I thought was a nice touch in this one. Yeah. Uh, you know, just everything that they pulled off on this. I really, really enjoyed this film. And it, it made me want to go out. I didn't have one. I, I wanted an N64 just so that I could play GoldenEye. <laughs> and I never got one. Uh, you know, it just never happened. And I have since gone on to play the golden eye that they came out with for the PS three. It's not the same. No, no, there's something about it. Something about having that funky, you know, three pronged controller that you had to play with, with the N 64 that was totally, you know, just, it, it specified that particular game and, and locked that game in for what it was. Mm hmm. Nintendo lost all of my video game purchasing business once they made the N64 controller. <laughs> yeah. And now game companies make these because I because of my cerebral palsy, I have to play video games one-handed. So basically how I do it is I take a like you take like the PlayStation 2 controller or even the PlayStation 3 controller or even the Super Nintendo controller. I put it in the palm of my hand, I balance it on my uh index ring and pinky finger and I use my or not my my middle ring and pinky finger and then I use my index and my thumb for the d-pad and the buttons so when gaming companies started coming out with these you know super wide control like all yeah. this and all that it's like nope done completely done um I never actually played GoldenEye um <laughs> oh. I've seen people play it I've seen videos of it it's a it, it's a really good game from what I've seen, and you know it, it, it one of the best selling games of all time when it comes to James Bond. Probably, um, I could be wrong. I'm not looking into any info on its sales, but um, you know when people think Goldeneye, they think this movie and they think the Nintendo 64 game. Oh yeah, <clears throat> you know I, I and to some extent, I almost want to say that the game was more popular than the movie. And, and that's saying a lot because the movie was very popular. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, I mean, you have this huge genre of people who loved GoldenEye and still to this day will pull out an N64. You know, they'll find one somewhere that's working just to play GoldenEye. Mm -hmm. oh, and, yeah. You know, it, it's amazing considering that you had that piece of crap controller. <laughs> so, 
According again, folks, take this with a grain of salt. I'm not looking at Box Office Mojo. I'm looking at Wikipedia.org. According to Wikipedia, the film's budget was 58 million. It made in it made 358 million. So it made three times its its budget. So I would say it's a success. And oh yeah, to the, I mean we we hadn't had a you know when was um what was license 89? Uh, I think yeah, I think so. So. We hadn't had, yeah, we hadn't had a bond in six years. So, you know, in 1995, this was all the rage. This was, oh my God, the, you know, don't get me wrong. A lot of huge films came out in 95. Well, huge in some people's minds, like the Power Rangers movie or uh, <laughs> The Mask or Ace Ventura or, well, I think Ace was nine. No, Ace and Mask were 94, weren't they? I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know. But, I mean, a lot of big things happened in 1995. This was just one corner of it, but it was a vast corner. Oh, yeah. Of, of, of media back then. And, you know, I believe it was, be again, I'm not looking at any info right now. I believe it was because of his wife's death at the time and the fact that he couldn't get out of his Remington Steel contract that Pierce did not get the job that eventually went to Timothy Dalton. Pierce was going to be the next Bond, and there would never be a Dalton Bond. It would have been Pierce in Living Daylights or License to Kill or whatever else. I, I'm happy the way it went down. I, don't get me wrong. I know that sounds morbid because part of the reasoning why he couldn't do it was his wife passing away. I, yeah. I'm sorry if that sounds morbid, but I'm very happy with how the Bond franchise went from the 80s to the 90s with and i'll be honest license to kill is the only dalton bond that i really care about i mean i've seen the living daylights it's all right but for me license to kill is so much better oh yeah it's i got the feeling like with with dalton that he was just kind of he was there to fill a niche and it really wasn't all that great because yeah. you know you still had a lot of things going on i mean Let's talk a little bit about the history of GoldenEye here. Just the, the little bit of background on it. This came out, it was the 17th James Bond film. The yeah. very first one to ever have Pierce Brosnan as 007. Uh, this film here, when it came out, it was it was very critical because it, it was actually the first Bond film that they had made after the Berlin Wall had fallen. Mm -hmm. And so you're thinking, wow, you know, because... Uh, License to Kill, it, it was released in June of 89, before the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, it was financially successful, critically acclaimed, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it just wasn't as popular as the previous Bond films. And it was kind of like people were going, eh, you know, we're not really certain that, that James Bond is applicable now. And then Goldeneye came along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite lines out throughout the movie, Judy Dench as M looks mm -hmm. at Bond and she calls him a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, a relic of the cold war. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she calls him that like to his face and he's kind of like, eh, yeah, you're right. I am, you know, I, I go and I sleep with a bunch of women and then, you know, I get the job done. I kill people. Eh, so what, you know, I do my job because of that, because of her calling it out, it was kind of like, oh, wow. And then you have all the stuff going on in the background with, you know, basically ex-Cold War. You have, you know, all these Soviet 
weapons that were laying about and that are kind of, you know, being rediscovered by villains, by terrorists. And it's kind of like, okay, we're seeing a shift going from, you know, these evil mad scientists that we had, like Dr. No. You're seeing a shift going from that to, you know, these Cold War Germans and Russians. And then you're going away from that to now you've got terrorists that are picking up all these new weapons and you're seeing everybody's kind of being these evil villain terrorists. So you're kind of getting back to the original of what we had with Sean Connery, what we had with Roger Moore, where you had these, these evil people who are just trying to change the world and hold the world hostage. And you're kind of seeing that terrorist spin coming back on it, which I really, really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's good with where they're going with it. Uh, you know, the, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this Pierce Brosnan. I like him. I think he's a great bond. I really didn't like Daniel Craig initially when he first started being bond. Daniel Craig's films do not start until Skyfall in my mind. I'm yes. sorry. I am sorry. Casino Royale and Quantum of Boredom were just Casino Royale was fine. It was it introduced a, you know, a new bond and that was all right. Quantum of boredom was just stupid all around. Yeah. Um, but Craig's stuff does not start until Skyfall for me because that's what they should have done. Yeah. They really should In the beginning, instead of trying to once again, readapt Casino Royale, they should have started with Skyfall because that's the problem with the Brosnan and the Craig era. Grosnan for four films. It's him and Judy Dench's M. And Judy Dench's, you know, no one knew who was going to play M at first. And let, let's face it, 1994, there really kind of was no internet. Um, and you know, even 95 and beyond, you know, up to about 97 or so, I'd say, you know, not a lot of people had the internet back then. And it's one of those things where, unless you're watching Entertainment Tonight or, or you know. Uh, hard copy or inside edition or what, whatever the hell in entertainment magazine you, you know, you, you had on your TV back then. No one knew, you know, it's not like 20 years ago. It's not like what it is today where we can just go online and search for something and find what's, you know, whatever project someone's doing or whatever film they're going to be in. And having a lady M did oh. the franchise good because it changed the dynamic now, the problem that lies within the Brosnan and the Craig era is the transition. Skyfall should have come first after Die Another Day because they kill her off and they bring it back to what Dr. No was with a male M. Yes. And they set it up very well. Um, but 1990, you know, 20 years ago this year, uh, everybody's mind was blown that we had a Lady M. Oh, I remember um, I remember hearing just everybody I was talking to was like, oh, oh, my God, they're casting a lady for M. Do you know how the wrong that's going to be? What's going to happen? Are, are we going to see James Bond hitting on M? Oh, that's what Money Penny's for. Right, right. And even then, <laughs> Money Penny is still. That's the thing about Money Penny. She is never the person that James Bond is going to hit on. He'll. He flirts with her, but it's not a, it's like she's his serious, his serious side. The one that he actually could 
you know, take home to mom and, you know, have, you know, have love, marriage and kids with at, at the end. Right. And that's the whole character that I always saw with Money Penny because he'd always take his hat off and throw it across the room. You know, yeah. he was always, always respectful for Money Penny. Mm-hmm. M, you know, yeah, he, he disrespected M in some respects, but it was kind of tongue in cheek type of thing. See, the thing here, and they kind of played this up a little bit more emotionally in Skyfall, but the thing with Goldeneye, the thing with Brosnan and Dench as Bond and M, it's more of a, it's not a husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend kind of dynamic. It's more of a mother's son. Like, yes. she's scolding her bad son. She knows that he is has been bad and blah, 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 blah. And she doesn't believe he can change for the better, for the betterment of himself and the betterment of mankind. But deep down, she does know. And, she, you know, I believe there's a scene in one of the other films where she says, you know, something really positive about Brosnan's Bond and she says if you ever tell him that I'll kill you or something I, I couldn't remember off the top of my head right now but the thing with, with Goldeneye is it sets up a new era for anyone coming into the franchise it gives you yes. a somewhat younger Bond because let's face it Roger I know I, I know of a podcast and a couple of um, uh, English guys that I know uh, over on earth-2.net uh, it's called For Your Ears Only it's by um, Ian Wilson and Adam Fisher or Adam Fisher and they went through and reviewed all all the Bond films at this point so they've even gotten up to Skyfall and <laughs> you know you need to have oh my, my, my point of bringing that up is they always made these jokes these these older than jokes, because let's face it, Roger Moore is older than everything. Roger Moore is older than dirt. Roger Moore is older than two day old ice cream, you know, because mm-hmm. let's face it, you know, Connery in his day in the 60s was young. He he looked young. He looked the 1960s Bond part as far as like an actor in the 60s playing the part, regardless of where, you know, what whatever time or year Dr. Nova set in. Um same thing with um, Goldfinger and so on and so forth. Um, but Brosnan, at the time, he just – he exuded the – he's more of a combination of what Dalton – basically, if it's going to be scary to say, but if you took Dalton, Moore, and Connery and combined them all into one personality, you get what Brosnan's bond was. He was youthful, he was sarcastic, he was elegant, he was all of those things wrapped up into one. Now, the dude at the time, um, because he was born in 53, so he is 61 this year. Um, He was 41 when he did this role, Uh, which... I think that's a good age to start for an actor. Yeah. For an actor to start in the Bond role and you grow into it over time. Um, uh, Goldeneye, the basic plot is is that, um, well, we, <laughs> we start off with the opening scene. One of the best scenes in any Bond film ever. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> he runs up, comes to the dam, and dives off the dam. And we 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 see him going down, going down. Shoots the piton gun, links in, goes in through the vents. We then cut to the bathroom in this facility. <laughs> and we see the guy go in the bathroom, sit down, he take you know, drops his trowel and and takes uh t- you know, takes the newspaper and starts thumbing through it and you hear an ever so slight noise. And the guy just kind of looks around, keeps looking at his paper and then as if almost you know, you know how you can sense someone coming up behind you or standing behind you just staring at whatever you're like like if somebody was standing behind me uh oh, looking yeah. at, you know, looking at my computer, you know, he senses something and opens the paper and we see an upside down Pierce Brosnan, pardon, forgot to knock, whap, (laughs) and it's one, it has to be, if I was making a top 10 Brosnan Bond scene list, it would be either number one, two, or three, because it has to be if I was just making an entrance list, it would probably be my number one because yeah. it's probably the best Bond entrance I've ever seen. Um, you know, and there have been plenty. I mean, over God, the franchise is over fifty years old now, so um, there have been plenty of good entrances. But you know, for this new era, for this this reinvention of Bond, one of the best entrance scenes ever. Uh, so we open with that. He, he's going through this this factory, and it's kind of like a cold opening scene, really. It's not really cold, but it's a... If, any, if anybody has seen Batman the Brave and the Bold, uh, the cartoon that DC and Cartoon Network did, um, they open with Batman on some adventure, wherever it may be, and then they get into the episode, which has nothing to do with that adventure. So... The difference here is in this opening scene with the general or the colonel at the time, Colonel Oromov. Um, the only thing is that pertains to later in the film, obviously, is the fact that Alec get, 006 gets captured and quote-unquote killed. Yeah. Um, that's really the only thing. The rest of it is, as far as where they are, doesn't matter. As far as what they did, other than Alec getting captured and James resetting the timers, everything else doesn't really matter to the rest of the film, other than those few things. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that, it, that, and then I loved, for me, like one of the best scenes to lead up to that. Anytime that you see something that's leading up to the James Bond theme, and mm-hmm. we all know what that theme is, and all of a sudden he comes screaming out in the jet as he's flying away and the James Bond theme starts. That was one of the most memorable scenes from this movie for me. Oh, absolutely. And then, yeah, the, yeah, the James Bond theme starts as he's flying away. And then we cut into the opening sequence, which is Miss Lena Learn. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a bad gym reference, um, which is Tina Turner. <laughs> oh. uh, singing the title track Goldeneye. Um, I I like it. I think it's cool. Um, she's no Shirley Bassey though. No, no. <laughs> I I honestly I liked um, I liked the one that they did for Skyfall better than this one. Oh, we're gonna have a problem when we get to that. 
era uh, it's, of Bond. Yeah, Ugh, it's just Adele. It, it, it's it's just I like that better than the Golden Eye. That's it. No, I, you know, there's I, something not, wrong with you. It was not great, but it was not. You know, the Golden Eye one was not one of my favorites. I I've never really liked Tina Turner, but that's part. That's probably why. So. You know, mm-hmm. give me live and let die by, you know, Paul McCartney and wings. I'm much happier there. <laughs> uh, but no, I, you know, the whole plot of this, I mean, especially when we come in after all that opening scene, we get through, we're starting to track Xenia on a top, which <laughs> I still laugh at some of these names. Cause you know, you had, th- this is still right along in the era of pussy galore, you know, Xenia on a top. She's on top. Let's let's just call it what it is there. Uh, of course, she's running through with the Janus Crime Syndicate, which is, again, that whole terrorist organization that I was talking about. Uh, she forms this relationship with one of the Navy admirals from the Royal Canadian Army, or Ra- Royal Canadian Navy, excuse me, kills the admiral, admiral, and I love how she kills him. She, like, scissor locks him with her legs and just crushes him. Zenya, I can breathe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she she murders him, steals his identity, steals this your this prototype helicopter uh, that can. Uh, okay, let's stop. How yeah. the hell can any of those official people not realize that this secondary pilot is? Oh no, that's that's something else. That's never mind. Um, never mind. Okay. I was I was I was thinking there for a moment that uh Chuck Farrell, the the the, the admiral guy. I, I thought he was one of the pilots and I'm thinking how can these other officials mistake a a short falding uh fat balding bat, you know, fat guy to yeah. to the slim but th- that's completely different because the pilots were skinny skinny guys, so that's that's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um but but yeah, um you know, and the whole reason that she stole that helicopter was because it could withstand an EMP blast, which is really important because the GoldenEye satellites use EMPs to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. And she actually flies off to Severnaya, which is out in the middle of, I, I want to say it was the Ukraine. I don't remember off the top of my head. No, it's, um, it's in Russia. It's, okay. um, God, it's not Siberia. Um people are going to kill us. I know. I, I remember that there was a bunch of snow on the ground. Cause again, I wish I had watched it. I didn't. And I feel bad, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they end up. Let's stealing... see. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. Well, she murders the Admiral to allow Janus to steal his identity the next day. After, let's see. In Severnaya, which is Russia. Yeah. Okay. You know, but it was, I, I, you know, that scene, watching them fly away as Goldeneye blasts, uh, blasts Severnaya there and just totals the the bunker. Uh, And there's one survivor who, uh, Natalia Simonova, who she's like, what was it? She got out because she was going to go take a pee or something like that. No, she, no, Boris was the one going to. That's right. The. He was gonna go have a cigarette, and and she uh, she was going for coffee, so she figured um, 
Was it she? Uh, wasn't didn't she, she like go look for Boris or something so she could go have a smoke with him or something? No, she wanted to go look for him, but she went for coffee, and by the, that time Zenya and and the general had already come in, so she had to hide up in the rafters. She never went outside. Okay. Natalia never went outside. She hid in the kitchen. That's right. Because I I thought that she got that she was outside when the whole thing went down and blew up the base, but. She was. She had to crawl out through the dish, though. That's right. After after it got destroyed, so that was after they had already left. That's right. My because bad. That's how that because that's how Bond and and M and and everybody in MI six noticed that. Oh, hey, well, at least someone knows about this. Yeah. Well, after all of this, I know that M sends Bond to go investigate the attack. Bond gets to Saint Petersburg. He meets CIA officer Jack Wade, who says, oh, here, meet Valentin Zukovsky, uh, who <laughs> happens to be the head of the Russian mafia. <laughs> and he's a he's a rival of Janice. And so he's like, OK, uh, you know, they, it, Zukovsky introduces him and sets up a meeting between Bond and Janice. And on a top is sent to meet Bond at the hotel, attempts to kill him. He beats her up and, and she ends up taking him to Janice. And you're, you're skipping one entirely awesome scene because Zakovsky and Bond know each other when they meet, you know, they because apparently Bond has has shot him before and Zakovsky wants to return the favor. That's right. And two years after this in 97, we will get. Um, hell's her name? Uh, Skyler in Goodwill Hunting because Mimi Driver of all people is stand by your man who is strangling a cat. Strangling that is my mistress, Helena. Boom! <laughs> it, it just it's anytime like this is one of the reasons why I wish Zakovsky never died in in World Is Not Enough, but. Uh, anytime we have a Zukovsky and, and 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 Bond scene, it's simply amazing. When we get to, to is it no? When we, yeah, when we get to the world is not enough. There's a scene in there is just hilarious. The the exchange between the two of them, um, and then one of the best lines out of the whole movie is in the in the pool scene, in the steam room, when she goes to attack Bond. And he goes, she, he slaps her, hits her, does something, he picks up his gun. No, 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 no more foreplay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Simply amazing. And she's like trying to squish him with her legs too. And I, and yep. I remember like, he just like kicks her ass. <laughs> well, he, he sits there and has his hands plied against her legs to, and then he realizes, oh, hey, I can just have her go sit on the hot coals in the, in the sauna. Yep. Um, so yeah, that that happens. So she does eventually take him to to Yanis, and uh, lo and behold, the Leans Cossacks return. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I think we skipped over one really important thing, though. Okay. I think we did. Okay. What did we skip? Desmond Llewellyn as Q. Oh, yeah. X-ray X document scanner. 
And this scene, it <laughs> this scene basically shows off all the classic kind of Bond type gadgets. Um, this is where Q gives him his exploding pen. Uh, he says, "Sorry about this, Fred." One, two, three. He oh, blows man. up. Don't say it. The pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> or the, the writing's on the wall, along with the rest of him. Yes. Um, and what about this? And he picks up a giant sandwich. Don't touch that. That's my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it wouldn't be a James Bond film without Desmond Llewellyn stating to Bond. And of course, Bond, please do try to bring this equipment back in pristine order. Yeah, um, and I know my my my, my Q slash English accent is horrible. I know I'm not trying to em, you know emulate Desmond Llewellyn. Um, I had seen him in several of the other Bond movies as a kid, but it wasn't until Goldeneye that I really really fell in love with the old guy. Oh yeah, I mean as a as a mentor to Bond. Um, when we. Good. He was just irascible. I mean, he was he was lovable, but he was irascible. He had that attitude, and it was just kind of, all right, I know you're going to go out, and you're going to destroy <laughs> it. You know, you're going to blow the shit out of my stuff. Take it anyway. <laughs> this is one of the reasons. The, the cue scenes in all four of these movies say what anyone wants to say about Die Another Day, but the cue scenes, well, by Die Another Day, he wasn't there. It was, it was Cleese, but... In the first three Bond films for, for Brosnan, Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies, and The World Is Not Enough, say what you will about um, whatever, but the Q scenes are always the best because oh. because Brosnan as Bond just <laughs> he has such a flamboyant nature towards Q. And yes. <laughs> I, I can't wait until we talk about the other ones because it is just so... Uh, Anytime Q shows up in a Bond film, you know it's going to be amazingly funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, so we, as we, as we said, we, we find out that Alec is still alive. He's a Lance Cossack, and he's try, He's the one that wanted General Ormoff to steal um, Petya and Misha, which are the satellites for Goldeneye. Uh, and he steals the gold Nike and all that stuff. And uh, what it boils down to is bank robbery. He's going to erase everything and transfer all the money to him is basically what it boils down to. Yeah. Um, eh. You know, I mean, that that's pretty much it. But I, I got to admit that there were some great scenes when they get down to the very end. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of my favorites, my one of my absolute favorite scenes is when we see Boris. And he's got the pen, and Boris has that uh, nervous twitch with spinning the pen and clicking it. Yep, I used to do that all the time after I saw this movie. Oh. I would I would find a pen that looked somewhat similar to that pen, and I would do that exact motion with my fingers in the one two three, the one two three four, the one two three. Uh, I, I would always do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's and, and the fact that he's got that exploding pen, and they're like, and, and you can see Bond looking at it. You can see. James Bond looks staring at the pen and like, uh, uh. He's, he's counting it. Yes. He's making sure when when he can actually make his move and, and smack it out of Boris's hand. Um, I mean, that was that was just great, though. I mean, just watching all that. You know, that was that was one of my favorite scenes in this film. 
So. Oh, absolutely. Well, of course, of course, spoiler alert for anybody who has not seen the film again. It's a 20 year old film. Yeah. To hell with a spoiler alert. Yeah. They blow the shit up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Pretty much. They, they destroy the satellite, kind of just shooting it down into the station. Bond gets away. He goes on mm-hmm. to live another day. Yep. And <laughs> Boris almost lives through this until the liquid nitrogen <laughs> tanks explode. Yes. I am invincible. <laughs> and he's, he's gone. He's dead. You know, to this day, the only thing, after the first time seeing this movie in theaters, the only scenes that I really, the only scene I really don't care for is when they're on the beach, um, when he and, when Bond and Natalia are on the beach. Um, I mean, I, I, I like their witty banter and all that stuff, but I just, I don't know what it is about about that actress. She just doesn't. I don't know. It's not that she doesn't say Bond girl to me, but it's just one of those things where it's just, it's so strange to me now looking back on it. I will say that we are in 1995, we are five years removed or we, we, we would have been, um, uh, five years beforehand of, uh, Jean Grey becoming Jean Grey because Famke Jansen, who plays on a top would go on to play Jean Grey in the X-Men movies. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so well, we'll use that as our jumping off point to kind of go into the cast here. Cause w- this one here, there was a lot of people, a lot of people that went on to do, and I don't want to say that they went on to do bigger and better things because this film really was just a lot of good cast people in there. Uh, I mean, you've got, you've got Pierce Brosnan, uh, you know, he was obviously, he was Remington Steele before this. He went play Harry Dalton in Dante's Peak in 97. Uh, he showed up, as we mentioned, in our uh, Thomas Crown Affair. Uh, yep. he, he was Stu in Mrs. Doubtfire, which, God, I love that film. It was a run by Fruity. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, we have we have Sean Bean, who was Alex Trevelyan. Sean was, you know, he, he, for those of you who are geeks out there and watch HBO, uh, he shows up as Eddard Ned Stark on Game of Thrones. Uh, he's been Boromir, Boromir in the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, he actually reunited, in a sense, with Pierce Brosnan in uh, Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief, where Pierce played Chiron, a centaur, and Zeus was portrayed by Sean. So, we got a bunch he of people. He also was the villain in the first National Treasure movie. That's right. I forgot about that. Yep. I yep. forgot about that. What, and I I really dislike Nicolas Cage, but... Oh, come on. There are some Nick Cage movies that are damn good. Nick Cage, you can dislike him as an actor, but you cannot deny how awesome some of his movies are. I, I will give you that. But, you know, when we look at things like Ghost Rider... Like, I'm talking about things like, like like Gone in 60 Seconds and yeah. On Air. Like, I'm talking oh, yeah. about the good Nicolas Cage movies. Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, we had that. Pumpkin uh, Anson, as we mentioned. Uh, I, I didn't realize that she's been on Netflix in, in a Netflix original spe- uh, series, Hemlock Grove. She plays Olivia <laughs> Godfrey in that. Uh, and then she was Muriel in Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, which... Oh. <laughs> oh, she looked good in that. 
Uh, and she's been Lenore in all three of the Taken films. So if you're wanting to look at that, you can. Uh, I, I did like uh, Joe Don Baker, who played Jack Wade. Mm-hmm. He basically was the same character. He actually was the only holdout from the Timothy Dalton films because he actually made an appearance in Living Daylights. Uh, and then he went through to do Goldeneye and he played his role. He reprised his role again in Tomorrow Never Dies. So you kind of get him carrying through that. When we, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to have you, I'm going to have to have you link all the, because uh, my buddy, uh, movie role, Dan and I did all these back two, three years ago. Um, did all the Bond films in, in a big M-Wire Bond, movie we can review Bond special spotlight celebrating 50 years of Bond. And I went through and I watched all these movies back then. And when I got to The Living Daylights and I saw Jack Wade, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, what's he doing in here? And why is he called Brad? Yes. <laughs> uh, we, we've got, again, we have just such a great cast. I mean, we've got Judy Dench as M. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's been, she's done things, you know, she, obviously she's, she's gone on to do everything up to Skyfall, which when she passes mm-hmm. the torch to Ralph Fiennes. Rafe Fines. Yeah. Uh, she's done Philomena, Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, she's been the voice of Miss Lily for the Angelina Ballerina TV series. And of course, I'm going to bring this up. She was the voice of Mrs. Calloway in that horrible, horrible Disney film, Home on the Range, where <laughs> Roseanne Barr was a cow. Not a big stretch. <laughs> uh, you know, we also had Robbie Coltrane, who was uh, Valentin Zukowski. Yeah, Zukowski. Um, I'm trying to see here. Oh, wow. Okay, then. Uh, I'm trying to look here and see. Uh, Crap. Oh, another, um, we have have two X-Men in this movie. Yes. Two future X-Men. Yes. Because we have Famke Jansen as, uh, as... Zinya Onatop, who would later become Jean Grey. We have Alan Cumming, who was Boris Grishenko, who would eventually become Nightcrawler mm-hmm. in X2 X-Men United. Yep. Interesting. So, surprise, surprise. We have a bunch of them going on here, it seems like. Yep. Uh, now, I, I'm going to mention Robbie Coltrane only because a friend of mine would kill me if I did not bring his name up. Robbie Coltrane, you've heard his name. You're probably like, who the hell is he? He... He basically had our first exposure to him in the U.S. with Nuns on the Run with Eric Idle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it was it was a silly, silly movie, but it was good. Uh, but he came. He was also Lord Dingwall in Pixar's Brave. Yep. Uh, and he's been the voice of the Gruffalo for those who have kids who watch that. And of course, for anybody who's ever seen the Harry Potter films, he plays as Rubius Hagrid. So, mm-hmm. you, you know Robbie Coltrane, you may just not realize it. <laughs> Zukowski was his best role for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Desmond Llewellyn, we've already mentioned. We're going to mention him a lot, ladies and gentlemen, when oh, yeah. it, especially, especially when it comes to the world is not enough. But, yes. uh, um, yeah, we, yeah. we got we to gotta talk about um, <laughs> the aptly named actress Samantha Bond as Miss Moneypenny. <laughs> oh yes. man. You know, she was in all four of Brosnan Bond. Mm-hmm. Um 
I almost wish she was in the new ones because the new Money Penny is just no thanks. Yeah, it's not doing it for me. <laughs> it's just, there's no real the whole point between Brosnan and and Samantha Bond as Brosnan as James and Samantha Bond as Money Penny. It's nothing but sexual chemistry and tension that they never uh, that, that that they never ever pay off. There is a scene in Die Another Day where it kind of pays off, but we find out it's um, VR, Uh, you know, so but that was a nice little nod. But it's one of those things like because um, Die Another Day, again, say what you will about it, folks, but it was the 20th. It was the 20th Bond. It was an anniversary film, you know, 40 years of James Bond. And they had to pull out all the stops for that movie. They, they pulled out Halle Berry. They pulled her out of the water. Uh, you know, like, like, like honey rider. They, they, they pulled out all the stops in that movie, regardless of how, how ridiculous people think that movie is having money penny do a virtual reality session. A la 1990s mad about you kind of thing was just crazy. Awesome. I mean, and she has been in several, you know, she's in Downton Abbey right now. She was in it for, uh, for four years, 2014 to, uh, to, or 2010 to 2014. Sorry. Um, she was in outnumbered. She was in Midsummer murders in 2001 to 2011. I mean, she's had a bunch of cool roles, uh, you know, so for those, for those who are Sarah Jane adventures fans, uh, she showed up as Miss Wormwood, Mrs. Wormwood uh, mm-hmm. in there. So, you know, anybody who wanted to watch that Doctor Who spinoff, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but just, I mean, she was a great character in this. And I, I really liked her role for for this series. You know, for for this portion of Bond, I should say, for the Pierce Brosnan era. Mm-hmm. The sad thing is, is that um, Colin Salmon doesn't come in until next movie. Yeah. I thought he was in this one, but I guess he's not. No. Um, Robinson. Good old Robinson. But anyway, I think we'll go ahead and move on here. I, you know, we've we've got a lot that actually happened with this film. It was, like we said in the beginning, this film was... Everybody thought it was kind of going to be this, I don't know, type thing. Like, it, there was a lot of hesitation going on with it because people were thinking... We've got a new Bond, and we're not sure how this is going to play off. It played off very well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a very satisfying movie from beginning to end, even though the concept of it, of the whole, he was my friend, and now I have to kill him, or he was, my, oh, my God, my brother is still alive, except now he's a woman. You know, it's a standard yeah. plot of somebody dying or someone thinking one of their friends or family members dies and then, hey, they're not really dead, but they're going to come back and get revenge on you and blah, 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 um, The only other scene that I think we really have to talk about with this one as far as the action goes is the tank scene. Oh, God, how did I forget about that? <laughs> yes. Going through St. Petersburg. Well, first of all, being on the train tracks and firing on the train at the end of the thing. But, uh, you know, just going through through St. Petersburg and just, oh, God, the tank scene is so amazing. Oh, yes. 
you know, just I, I God, being able to see that tank rolling through and busting through stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, me personally, I, I liked the, I liked there, there are little things that they had in here. Like they did, you did see Bond driving the Aston Martin. And, you know, that was kind of the little nod that they gave to the Aston Martins they had before. Yeah, at the beginning with the teacher, yeah. The other thing about this film was this was actually the first one that started introducing the BMWs. Which... Yes, and I know I know everyone hates that, but it was a new era. Yeah, and I will give them that. I, I liked some of it that they were bringing in. Obviously, it was blatant plot product placement. Well, yeah, but still, I mean, it wasn't that bad. Well, the thing that pissed me off about this, and this is this is just me bitching about it, because in every other Bond movie up to this point, you've always seen him having some cool car, and the cool car always has something that you get to see, especially when you see them having weapons on it and all this, and they're, they make out this big deal of, oh, it's got all the, you know, all the gadgets. It's got rockets, it's got the ejector seat and all that. So you expect to see some of that being used at some point in this, you know, BMW Z3 Roadster. Right, but I think the thing is, this was a test. This was, you know, the BMW, you know, as a corporation wanted them to show off the Z3 Roadster, and that was it. Now, when we get to the M5 or whatever it is that's in Tomorrow Never Dies, we have all the bells and whistles that you could ever want. Yeah. You know, bulletproof glass, automated voice control, uh, automated – James Bond is essentially playing in a movie, in, in a video game at the same time because he's driving his car with his phone. So I can forgive this Bond film for GoldenEye for just doing a standard, you know, no-frills car. Um, I, I mean – and let's face it, it was in there for like a half a second after Q introduced it. They drive it away at the airport in Cuba. And I was like, yep. that's it? Yeah. That's it? That's all we're going to see this thing? That's what was so disappointing to me about it. You yeah. Know, I, I wanted to see more of the car because I'm a car <laughs> nut. What can I say? <laughs> but, you know, that we got what we got with this. And at least they made up for it in some of the other films. So. Oh, Yeah. Uh, I do have a couple of trivia points that I have to bring up since, since you mentioned Tina Turner doing the opening title song. Mm -hmm. I wonder how this would have been because the Rolling Stones were originally offered the chance to sing the title song and they declined oh, it. God, thank God they did. They had the sense to not do it. Oh my God. That would have been horrible. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. That right. would have been, <laughs> that would have right. been horrible. Well, you went horrible. You, you know who some of the cast was going to be before Pierce Brosnan was originally cast as James Bond. <laughs> they had offered it up. They were uh, looking at Liam Neeson. No. Mel Gibson. No. Yeah. Hell no. I, I could see Mel as a decent Americanized Bond villain, but. Yeah. Especially if he goes crazy like he did in, in Lethal Weapon films. I, I could yeah. totally see that. Uh, I could see Sam Neill possibly pulling it off. But, you know, I'm like, eh. Hugh Grant, they wanted Hugh Grant to possibly do it, and I'm like, hell no. God, no. 
horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah, you know, just the only person that would have been worse for this would have been Kenneth Branagh. And, and I, I love Kenneth Branagh's directing because he did an excellent job with Thor. But he would have been a horrible Bond. <laughs> you know, so. All right. So we'll go ahead and we'll close this episode off here. Uh, I think we're pretty much done with it. We're going to come back here and we'll pick up. Uh, we'll pick up next week with Tomorrow Never Dies and, and carry on with our next episode in the James Bond January. Oh. Uh, so we'll go ahead and thank everybody for listening. I do want to kind of just give a quick touch touch out for anybody who wants to get in touch with us. Uh, you can write us at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us feedback on iTunes. And I do want to thank, uh, since we did have one like, one new like that was added here. Uh, where did I have it here? Here we go. Leroy Walker. I want to thank you for, for liking our page here. Uh, so we'll go ahead and give you some shout outs there. Cool. And then we'll go ahead and lead out with something good here. Some sort of music for this episode. so close and be denied.